you're fed up with the nine to five, you've been working hard for years, and you're just not seeing the results you want. You want to break free from the traditional career, but don't know how. Business Breaks is here to help. So this is the Business Breaks podcast with your host, Dante Healy. I'm very pleased to announce my special guest, Glenn Gardone. He is the CEO of Red Chocolate and has championed the successful transformation and sale of five organizations since 2006. In addition, he's nurtured a startup business from zero sales to over $80 million in less than 18 months. With over 30 years in the consumer packaged goods industry, he has a diverse mix of talent that has led him and his company to success. He's worked at four of the top CPG companies in the world in various positions such as sales, marketing, and finance. In addition to that, he's an award-winning entrepreneur with successful brands all throughout the US. His goal is to spread his entrepreneurial knowledge so that as many people as possible have the opportunity to thrive in their passion. He's also made millions in returns over the past few years, but most importantly, he's been able to travel the world and spread his message. So Glenn, welcome to Business Breaks. Well, thank you for having me. It's uh, wonderful to be here and I appreciate your time and the audience this time. And hopefully I can share a little knowledge and I can help people along with their journey as people have helped me in my past. So the give back method, I guess, is the best way to put it. Thank you very much, Glenn. And so to start the interview, what made you decide to start your career in finance before pivoting into sales and marketing? It's a good question. So growing up, of course, I I come from limited means, I guess the best way to put it, put myself through college, actually hated college, to be brutally honest, (laughs) but knew I needed it for the next goal in my life. I knew that I wanted to be able to start a journey. I didn't have a passion. It wasn't like I was one of those lucky ones. I've got you know, two boys and uh, both of them, luckily for them, have found their passion very early on in life. And if you're one of those that has found your passion, fabulous, rock and roll with it. But if you're one like me who is still looking for that passion, looked for it for many years, I had my eye on the journey. I knew what my goal wanted to be. But again, I I wasn't sure how to get there. And so I was good at math, to be brutally honest with you. I was good at math. And, you know, I could read a P&L upside down since I was, you know, 17 years old, I guess is the best way to to say it. So I started the journey in finance, like I said. And, you know, you sit in front of a computer and, you know, spreadsheet after spreadsheet. And, you know, I worked in some very low-level merger and acquisition, those kind of pieces, being a cog in the wheel, I guess the best way. And I got my paycheck every other week and I survived, I guess the best way to do it. And it was never about, it was never about money for me. Of course, success to me is something different than money. You know, money can be made and money will be made. And if you want to make money, you're going to make money because there's always a way to figure out a way to to be successful and to drive to get to your goals. I just, I wasn't satisfied. And, you know, of course, being in finance, you you touch a lot of different parts of the organization and whether it be sales and marketing and supply chain and all the different people. I work with some amazing people, really fun, exciting people. And I decided I had the opportunity. Somebody tapped me on the shoulder at one of my organizations and said, hey, you know what? You're being limited here. You know, yeah, you're doing great. But really, is this what you want? And honestly, I didn't want to be the next CFO. And I always had that mindset of, OK, you know, I'm going to learn and do my 
job as good as I can, but what do I do? How do I set myself up and how do I prepare myself for the next role? The old saying, you know, don't dress for the role that you have, dress for the role you want. And it's really, that's a mentality too. And it's not like, you know, what's next? What's next? It's, it's not having that. It's saying, okay, I get what I need to do now and I'm going to do it as good as I can. But I also want to understand what the person, the person that I'm either reporting to or the person that gets what I do next, what do they do with it? And, you know, I am definitely an inquisitive person. I like to learn. I've been doing this, like you said, for 30 years and try to learn every day because probably one of the strongest assets, and I'm sure we'll talk about it later, that I can say I have as a leader is I know what I don't know. And that's important because, you know, I meet a lot of entrepreneurs and a lot of people that think they know everything. And I'm never the smartest guy at the table. I'll tell you that right now. I like to surround myself with much smarter people than me. And we could talk a little bit about that. So I had the opportunity, tapped on the shoulder as a saying, to you know, try my hand at other things, so to speak. And I went into the marketing side and I love the marketing. I love the creativity of it. I love trying to understand the consumer, trying to understand, you know, what the future is going to hold. And it is a lot of crystal ball. And the idea, you know, I, I had a very good mentors that taught me a lot on the marketing side and kind gave me the shortcuts, if you want to call that. And we'll talk about probably one of the biggest successes I've had because I had that in my quote unquote, talking old school here, Rolodex in my brain. So I knew I could pull that out at some point actually was, as you mentioned, the, the growth we had in 18 months going from a startup to 70 million was, I really could say it's because of one of my mentors in the past that taught me something. We'll talk about that later. So, you know, I got into sales and again, having that mindset of, look, I, I want to be the best salesperson I can possibly be. The question was, what does number one do? Okay. then that's what I'm going to have to do better. And it was that simple. It wasn't like I tried to reinvent the wheel and do all okay, let's see what the best does and how can I do it better? And, and it could be working a little harder, working a little smarter, working a little longer, understanding, again, you talk about could be on the marketing side and understanding consumers. It's just like when you're talking to decision makers, it's not about pushing the the, the widget, okay? You know, at Red Chocolate, we don't, we don't even talk about the red chocolate. We talk, to the, we talk to our decision makers about what are you seeing in the category? What do you need? And the fact is, if, you know, we can talk to them and we can figure out that if this is a good partnership, we're both going to have an amazing partnership because we've got an amazing brand and they have a need. If you're a retail storefront and you're trying to promote yourself or promote your storefront to consumers, don't get cute about it. Tell people who you are, what you are, and how you fulfill a need. An interesting question came up to me in a conversation I was having, and I was asked, so how has the consumer changed in over three decades? It's an excellent question. And the simple answer is they haven't. When you think what you go out and you buy, then I don't care what it is or what service you, you purchase. It's all about the value. Now, the term value is different for everybody. What I consider a value may not be what you consider a value. And so you have to understand how you're satisfying that value. And it could be a financial value. It could be a time value. It could be a professional value. You know, whatever it is, you have to understand what the value is that you're bringing to that person. And based on that, that's the conversation you have. Because if, you know, all of a sudden I sit here about that and I start telling you about great home values and how things are doing well in X state and blah, 
blah, blah, blah. What happens? You look at me and go, I'm not buying a house. Why are you telling me this? You know, it sounds great, Glenn, but you know, okay, maybe if I, you know, buy a house someday, I'll think about it. So again, not understanding who you're trying to talk to and what their needs are. And so once you do that and you could start to hone that in and you start to understand, you can get to a yes faster. Entrepreneurs, I always tell them, think of what the why is for yourself. Why are you doing this? Because it's a heck of a lot easier to just become an employee number and slide your way through and get your two weeks vacation and so on. So it's a lot easier. You know, and if you say it's for money, well, you're going to be, you're going to be depressed for three years probably because it's going to take you a couple of years. You know, I had a, an, entre- uh, an entrepreneur who was a mentor of mine, and he said, Glenn, I want you to know one thing. I said, what's that? He said, all of your employees are going to love Friday. And I was like, why is that? Well, Friday's payday. I was like, okay. He goes, not you. He said, you know why? Because your days, your payday is not going to be on a Friday. It could be a Tuesday. It could be a Wednesday. It may not be for two weeks because you may not have any money left over after you pay everybody. So you better love what you're doing and believe in what you're building. And so that's why I always tell folks, look, what's the why? If the why is, I want to make a lot of money. Okay, just know that it's not going to start in week three. You're not going to be making a lot of money. There aren't a lot of those stories out there. There's a lot more stories about people punching through the mud, so to speak. And, and I've done that a lot in my career. You know, we launched Red Chocolate about five months here in the U.S. We launched it about five months before the global pandemic shut everything down. You know, and if you think about it, Probably not the best time to launch a brand new brand. And with especially, you know, I talked about consumers and how they've changed. They haven't changed. The way that we deliver the message, that's what's changed. And you can get the old analysis paralysis. You see all these different ways. What you have to do is is you have to understand the tools you have and how to talk to the consumer sooner. It's not, you know, you, the, the journey is shorter, the discussion is quicker, and it becomes earlier. And I think that's probably the most important thing that I've learned uh, is understanding the consumer. And that's why, you know, we talk to, uh, like I said, a couple of million, about 3 million people every week, and we have a conversation with them. We don't, we don't want to just yell at them and tell them how great Red is. That, that doesn't help anybody. What we try to do is we try to have the conversation, understand their needs, and making sure that we're satisfying their needs. We talk to the consumers a lot. I talk to the consumers a lot. My phone number is everywhere and it's my cell phone number. And you know what? Do I get calls on a Saturday from people saying, hey, I just want to see if this is real. It's like, it's real. And yeah, you just call me. How can I help you? And it's usually like, I don't have anything to say, but great chocolate. Bye. <laughs> and they hang up and that's fine. You know, and there are other times that people, you know, I have a good conversation. I had uh, a young lady call me. I was actually uh, traveling and uh, she called and uh, she, I answered the phone and she said, it's really loud where you are. Where you are. I was like, I'm really sorry. I'm actually in an airport right now, you know, going between planes. Oh, I'll call you back. I'm like, no, how can I help you? And she had a question about one of our products. And I answered, she goes, I, I can't believe that. She goes, whenever I called, and I've called your other lines. Somebody always answers and they always have the answer for me. Or if they don't have the answer, I say, let me call you back. I'll get the answer for you. Because ultimately, we're not going to have every answer, but hopefully we have the tools available to get that answer for you. And, you know, we, we take it personal here, I guess. You know, you think about 
how people hire. And I apologize for going on here, Dante. You, you, you've got me, you know, this is what I, what I love to do because hopefully I'm helping folks out there. I've had the, the honor of leading some large teams, you know, thousand people, billions of dollars in sales. And uh, it's always been asked, you know, how do you, how do you decide who gets to join your team? And it's not like I'm sitting there, you know, like the king knighting a person, believe me, it's not that. And I tell people all the time, it's pretty simple. Now I could teach a computer. I can teach you marketing. I can teach you sales, some to get it quickly. So others take a little bit more time. You know, we're all on our own journey. What I can't teach is passion. And if you don't have passion for what you're doing, and that doesn't mean you have to love what you're doing. The passion for me, believe me, when I was 11 years old, I never thought I'd sit there and go, I'm going to sell chocolate for a living. That's not what I said, believe me. But I love what I do because my ultimate goal my entire life was to go to bed on a Sunday night excited that I was going to wake up on Monday morning and get to do something fun. Now I go to bed on a Tuesday night, a Thursday night, a Saturday night. It doesn't make a difference because, you know, with phones all, you know, we're constantly connected, but I love what I do. And I love getting the opportunity to work with an amazing team. I've got incredible people around that make me look good at times. And it's all because of them. And hopefully I make them look good. Hopefully I give them a place, you know, in the business world where they're proud to say they're a part of something bigger than them. And they know they're part of that that journey forward. And I think that uh, we accomplished that because uh, having had a person leave, you know, we continue to grow our team. And that's in all facets from, you know, warehousing, manufacturing. You know, people understand when they come in, you're joining the Red family. And we're excited about that because we want you to feel like you're part of the family. So that's how I transitioned from finance into sales and marketing and ultimately where we are today. I mean, you know, it's, a, it's, it's been a journey. It's been a great journey. It's been a great journey. And it's a wonderful story. I mean, it's, uh, there's so many diamonds in that, in that answer that I'm going to have to spend some time just listening back to that and then dissecting <laughs> it. But I mean, just, just to say, Glenn, the piece I got from it, the biggest soundbite for me in my head was, about being dialed in, whatever you focus on is what what you what you magnify. And it sounds like you've had a great it's a great career, and you know you're really helping not just not just your uh, customers, but also your employees, and you're just growing the business. And you, I can see you're you're a very happy person. You you you're very fulfilled, shall I say? Yeah. Yeah, no, I agree. And, and and you're absolutely right. And I think it's important for people to want to be a part of something. You know, red chocolate, you know, has grown, it has grown and continues to grow beyond what it began as. You know, it began as a brand. It's becoming a lifestyle for a lot of people. And and I love that because it it outgrows me and it outgrows, you know, what my thoughts were on the brand when I sat down with the team to, to bring this to life. And, it, and it's been an, an amazing journey, an amazing journey. And again, you know, I've got a person that's been with me for 15 years, you know, she's been with me through several companies on supply chain. And you know what, you know, she is, uh, she's my right arm. I've got a person that runs my digital marketing team. She's one of the most incredible people I've ever met, passionate, loves what she does, loves to to find that opportunity to be able to just take us to that next level. I mean, she's my right arm. So, you know, I just, I, I again, I try to surround myself with people that are passionate about being successful to what success is in their mind. 
And for them, for both of them, it's, hey, you know what? Let's grow this business profitably. Let's grow this business as a family. Let's roll up our sleeves. You know, the Home Shopping Network, of course, sister company to QVC, we're the top selling chocolate on the Home Shopping Network. And uh, I get the opportunity and the honor to go on TV every couple of weeks to talk about Red and, you know, the benefits of Red. And we actually do all the drop shipping for them too. And, uh, you know, we'll do... 5,000 orders, we'll say. And it's funny because Sharon will walk in and she'll say, it's pizza time. Everybody, let's go. And it's not like, oh, sorry, not my job. I am. No, you know what? We all put on our sweatshirts, sweatshirts, walk back into the refrigerated warehouse, and we sit there with the team that's in place. And, you know, we build together and we talk and we have music. And, you know, whoever calls the people in, I have one rule. Whoever calls everybody in, they have to cover lunch. They have to make sure we get lunch. So, you know, pizza for her, you know, is sometimes with Megan, you know, marketing, she's more of a uh, a sandwich and salad kind of person. So we'll all get sandwich and salads. And, you know, it's just their way of, you know, saying, okay, guys, I get it. I pulled you out of what you needed to do. You're helping me. Ultimately, we're going to help the company. And so, you know, they lead. You know, it's not about me, my job, or any CEO. It's not always about being the lead person, the, the lead dog, so to speak. Uh, it's about knowing where your place is. And I will be in front, but I'll also be on the side cheering you on. I'll also be in the back being able to catch you if need be. So, and that's really understanding where your role is. You know, you think about, you know, running any organization big or small, you know, a, a CEO should have the mindset and people need to understand, especially as an entrepreneur, if you get amazing people to help you, what happens is they're going to do an amazing job, but at times there's going to be issues and that's where we're going to come to you. And now you've got the expert coming to you saying, I'm not sure what to do. So your desk is always going to be covered in problems. Know that. You know, you'll you'll hopefully let the you know the the team enjoy the successes and you'll enjoy it with them. But the problems are going to fall on you. And if they come to you, then there's an issue that needs to be fixed. So you know you think about your know, stress management and you know you think about you know how do you keep your emotions in check and you know as I was we were talking earlier, as soon as I learn how to fully do that, man, I'm going to be perfect at it. And I've been trying for 30 years. Now. I've definitely calmed down. But in business, you know, you try to keep the emotion limited in business and to make proper business decisions. But, um, you know, you you just, you, 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 you get the information you need, you analyze, and you understand what's best for everyone involved. Not just what's best for you, because then you're hurting the customer. You can't do what's just best for the customer because if you don't remain healthy and profitable, that's no good for you. So you have to come up with what is good for everyone concerned. And a lot of times it, it takes the the leader to do that because they have all the different components and understand all the different pieces. So something that you have to work on, and I continue to work on to this day, and I tell entrepreneurs all the time, look, just be ready for ultimate highs and ultimate lows. And it can happen within an hour of each other. <laughs> you know, it's, it's it's going to happen. And you know what? That's just part of the fun, part of the joy. Wonderful. Thank you, Glenn. Um, and then um, in terms of, you know, your highs and also your lows, what, what have been the biggest challenges you've faced when you started up your own business? And how did you tackle it? Well, there's always challenges. There's, there were quite a few challenges, you know, whenever you're starting up a business. When you put together an idea, and let's just say it's 
yourself and your significant other and couple of close friends and you're around that quote-unquote table and you're telling the story everybody's shaking around going that's a great idea that's a great idea that's a great idea the ultimate test is when you tell a person that's not on your payroll what your idea is and if they look and go that's an excellent idea or do they say i don't get that you know and so again it's not based on that one discussion but really that's the first test we we, we can be in this bubble and think we've got this amazing idea and for myself personally it's always been you know how do i deliver that message properly how do i de deliver that message profitably how much of a investment risk and there are times to overinvest invest in the business, and it's according to the businesses themselves. And I have definitely overinvested in businesses, and uh, because you see the future, you see the growth. But I've also been in meetings where people have come to me and said, "Hey, I want to do this," and I say to them, well, "Why are we doing that?" Well, because this is a test, and if it works, I want to do this. And it's like, well, how do you get from the test to there? You know, I still don't see the connection. And as they're walking through, they also decide, you know what? You're right. We can't we can't replicate this again this is such a microcosm that if it's successful it may be successful for just this one piece and if i really want to do what i want to do to be able to replicate it it's going to be this big now all of a sudden you start thinking about the financial risk and reward you know do you put a dollar you know to make a, a dollar five and you think about it and you say well if i do that how much of the risk of the dollar and if the risk of the dollar is to lose the complete dollar to make a dollar five the risk reward may not be worth it so that's what you have to see so you have to decide for yourself how risk averse now you, you can't be so risk averse again analysis paralysis that you don't want to do anything and so that'll kill a business you also can't say, you know what, I'm going to throw everything I've got and we're going to take this one shot. You know, could it work? Yeah, 50-50, more like 90-10. It's funny, uh, I tell people all the time, you know, to, to speak of a baseball analogy. If you're a baseball player and you get up at the plate and you hit the ball four times out of 10, you're one of the greatest baseball players ever ever played the game. Try that in business. You'll be closed in nine months. And so when you think of it that way, you got to ensure. And remember, it's not always about hitting a home run. I tell people all the time, four singles make a run. May not be as sexy or as exciting, but it's still one run on the board, just like that home run. And sometimes the singles are a heck of a lot easier. Makes sense. And thank you. It's not what I was expecting for an answer, but it's a great answer. I mean, risk risk mitigation, avoiding failure, sometimes you have to be have to be thinking more defensively before you can think, you know, aggressive expansion, especially from someone like you who's grown businesses and expanded revenue from your background. It's it's pretty pragmatic. But yeah. you, and I think you, you have to, again, you, you can't be so risk averse that you're not willing to, to take that opportunity. And I have definitely taken opportunities. And I will not sit here and tell you that Every, every opportunity I've taken has been successful. I will tell you the majority has, and that's why I've been successful uh, in my career. But I have definitely had failures, but I try to limit those failures. You know, we've had, um, again, I talked to you about a, one of the mentors I had. He was very successful, and this was when I was first starting out. And uh, I went and saw him, and we had been friends. It wasn't as though, you know, we hadn't talked, and I was running a, you know, a, a a very large business over a billion dollars at the time. And I, uh, you know, I'll tell you the story. So I'm running a very large business again in that quote unquote corporate safety net, mid thirties, again, not an entrepreneur, 
corporate America, employee number one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, whatever it was, you know, got my two weeks, so on and so forth. And uh, a very good friend of mine who I had worked with in a prior, uh, she had left because she felt she wanted to be the entrepreneur. And so she had called me and said, look, I got this idea. I'm not sure what to do. I know you've touched a million different things and I loved working with you. Would you mind helping me out? And I said, yeah. So it wasn't like, you know, I was thinking about doing a business and it was actually a uh, breakfast on the go for kids. Now, this is back in 2006. And so um, I, uh, you know, she came to me, told me the idea. I helped her build the business plan. We, you know, I introduced her to some of the co-packers and people that I would work with and people I knew in my, you know, in my network because uh, know a lot of people. And so one of the last meetings, it was her and it was her partner who was, you know, more of the money influence. And she was the creative side. A great idea. I love the idea. It was awesome. You know, if you think about it, you know, and I, the story we used to tell, and I'll tell that in a second. And uh, so finish up the meeting and I told her the kind of person I would look for, you know, if I was looking for employee number three. And, you know, she said, okay, and shook their hands and I left off. I was, I was driving back to my home. It was a Saturday. About a half an hour later, I get a phone call. Hello. And it's her. Hey, what are you doing? I said, I'm driving back home. I just left a half an hour ago. I got another 45 minute drive home. And she said, uh, I found the person we want. Good for you. I said, is anybody I know? She goes, yeah, it's you. And I started laughing. I said, me? I said, you can't afford me. And she goes, oh, you're right. I can't afford your salary, but I'm willing to give you some equity if you believe in yourself. And I went, huh, interesting, right? And I, again, I had, you know, done things growing up. Like I said, I put myself through school, but, you know, this, at this time, again, mid thirties, couple of kids, a lot of risk, you know? And I remember saying, you know, I gotta, I gotta call, you know, I gotta make a phone call, you know, like phone a friend kind of thing. And, um, uh, she's like, absolutely. Just let me know what you're thinking, you know? And so, uh, I called my, uh, my, my friend, my partner, my wife. And so, um, I told her what was going on. She said, well, what do you think? You know, I think it's a good idea. I said, oh, I think it's an incredible idea. I said, but you know, you know, I don't have a safety net and I don't have this. And, you know, I just think a bomb. And blah. She goes, Glenn, I know you. You're going to work 100 hours a week if you need to to make that successful. Just go. And when you think so, I said, you know. There's no, she's like, you think you have a safety net in corporate America. We both know you don't. What only happened is they're going to give you a six-month severance if somebody decides Glenn ain't right for the role. So what are you worried about? Six months? I'm like, you know what? You're right. All right. Well, if you're willing to give me the shot, I'm willing to get on a plane and I'll kiss you goodbye and I'll see you in six months. And so uh, I called and uh, told my partner and I became the number three employee. And we went from zero to about 70 million. And again, Again, understanding the message, you know, and we sat down and we had all this information. And I said, guys, it's as simple as this. You're in fourth grade and you're learning multiplication for the first time, third grade, whatever grade it is. You know how hard it is. Now imagine that you didn't have breakfast and your stomach is growling. Now imagine we've all been in those meetings at noon when somebody's been droning on and we're like, oh God, when are they going to finish so I can go grab some lunch? I'm starving. <laughs> Again, now you now all of a sudden you're at you're in elementary school trying to learn math. That's how important breakfast is. So if you don't have time, you could have this on the go. You could eat it on the bus. You could eat it at you know at school wherever. And it's funny because uh, I remember there was a a voicemail left. We had launched a brand, and actually Walmart was one of the first customers to bring us on. One of our first partners, and uh, I got a phone call from a consumer. And uh, they was sent over to me and I called and was talking to her. She goes, I just want to thank you. I said, for what? She goes, for giving me my Saturday back. I said, what do you mean? Give me your Saturday. She goes, Glenn, I've got triplets. She said, and every Saturday morning, every Saturday morning, I get woken up, breakfast, breakfast, breakfast. I can never sleep in. 
She said, and I happen to see the products on the shelf. She goes, oh, that's a great idea. And I bought a couple of them and I put them in the pantry and I told the kids and they were kids. They were like uh, 10, you know, nine, 10. I forget what it was back then. And uh, she said, and I said, look, if you're hungry, these are here. This is what you do. You open it up, pour it in. It's a full breakfast. And so, and then I forgot about it, Glenn. And I went to bed Friday night, Saturday, I wake up and it's 945. And I'm like, oh, my God, are the kids all right? And I walk downstairs, and there they are watching TV, eating your breakfast breaks. Thank you for giving me my Saturdays back. And so it's that kind of thing. So from there, you know, we were able to, you know, to, to build and grow a business. But one of our first meetings, you know, you talk about being an entrepreneur. I, I, I got a chance to hire employee number four, which happened to be an assistant for all three of us. So we could do paperwork and everything else because I was bouncing around. And I remember sitting there saying, hey, do we have a stapler? And she looked at me and she said, as soon as you go to the office store to pick one up, we're going to have a stapler. And I started laughing. I said, okay, time to make a list. So I went from all these folks, you know, to do, you know, three people to do the job of one because they wanted to pass it around to, I was taking a ride to the office store to pick up the stapler. And I think that's, you know, as an entrepreneur, you have to understand you're going to have many jobs. You're going to wear many hats. People say, oh, I get it. I get it. But do you really? Do you understand that on Saturday morning at seven in the morning, you're going to be up and everybody else is going to be asleep at four 30 in the morning. You may be driving to the airport. If you happen to be in sales or any kind of consulting, you know, uh, are you okay with the fact that you have a storefront and you're open on Sundays when everybody else, all your friends are at the beach or the barbecue, make sure it's a yes. And I'm okay. And the idea being back to the why, why are you doing it? And just continue remind yourself and it may be hey i want to you know better myself i want to you know grow this to x or to do the, whatever it is and as long as you continue to remember that because you will sacrifice you will sacrifice it's you have to if you don't sacrifice you're either one of the luckiest people in the world go play you know the lottery or you're fooling yourself brilliant and then that kind of answers my next question, or I think it does, but I'm hoping you'll, you'll be able to even expand on this. But um, what are the critical keys to success when leading people through a uh, complex business transformation? I call it punching through the mud. And that's what, you know, a, a complex or critical business situation. You know, again, you know, when we launched and it was a couple of months before a global pandemic shut everything down. Yeah, there were a lot of people that were nervous. There were a lot of people that weren't sure what the next week looked like. And so as a leader, my role is to ensure that people understand what the future is like. You know, I, I am definitely a I would consider an over communicator because I like people to understand, you know, the idea being, look, we're all around the table. You all deserve a seat at the table and you all deserve uh, the opportunity to give your opinion. But you must understand, sometimes I'll take all of your opinion. Sometimes I may take 5% of your opinion. Sometimes I may not be able to use the opinion at all. It's no disrespect to you. It's just that we have to move the business in a certain way. And if you explain that to people, and whether it be a one-on-one -on -one or whether it be in a group setting, having the respect, you know, the one thing that uh, I want from people is I, I want their respect. Yes, I you have to earn it, so on and so forth. But ultimately, that's what you want as a person. You want respect. So as a leader, you have to respect people that, that have brought you, you know. And uh, so what I try to do is the more critical the situation, the more openness on the communication. 
because you know you'll you'll go through the halls and you'll have that 30 second hallway conversation and you both head off in different directions and you may have picked up a nugget you may have not you know but when it's critical and we held quite a few meetings during that whole piece because i wanted to ensure that you know the uh, all of my team understood why we were doing what we were doing understood the steps we were taking to make sure that our business was stable and growing and i was on the front lines i was on the back lines i was where it was needed because that's what you know the business was you know we we ship out products out of our warehouse the entire world was shut down but my warehouse team was still showing up masked up and doing what they needed to do because they said look we're at home we're not shipping, you know, and then, you know, so my entire supply chain was here. So I was here, you know, with them and we we did our protocols and made sure that everybody was safe. Uh, and then, you know, the my marketing group would say, you know what? Yeah, it's great that we're at home and we could do these Zoomies, but there's nothing like being in the office. And I didn't tell anybody, look, this is what you need to do. Pretty much everybody said, you know what? We need to run a business because they feel like it's their business because in a way it is their business. You know, I get the title. Big deal, you know the title. Okay, wonderful. What what that all that means is that uh, you know I get the chance to get all the uh, aggravation. I guess mm -hmm. the best way to look at it, as I've said earlier. So you know when it comes to criticalness, uh, for me at least, it is about the communication. It's understanding and listening to the people. What is critical to some people may be critical to you as the leader of the company. It may not be critical, but then you have you don't just blow them off. You say, okay, well, I hear you loud and clear. Now let's talk about it. Let's talk about these other six things. And then you, you have to quote unquote talk the person, you know, off the ledge, so to speak, because they have to understand, all right, you know, maybe I, I get what you're saying. Okay. Or they may bring something to you that you go, whoa, I didn't know that. You know, because you can't know everything. I mean, that's you know, as a leader, you just can't. You just you try to make sure that again. You you have the you know the understanding, but you're never going to have that that uh, knee deep level of understanding that somebody who does it every day does. So you know again we punch through the mud. You know there's always a way to get it done. Sometimes one person get it done. Sometimes it takes seven. But ultimately you want the right seven in the room, and you'll know who the right seven are because they'll want to be there because they'll want to help. They're not there because oh good Tuesday's payday. And those aren't the people that you want in the room because they won't be making a decision for the organization as a whole. They'll be making a decision for themselves. Everybody in this organization knows that their job is never on the line. It isn't. I don't I don't run a business that way. I don't believe in a business that way. <clears throat> Sadly, I have in my past I've had bosses where you do want to, you know, you're always like this. You're always on edge. That's not a way to run a business. That's not a way to to be part of a business, whether you're an employee or a contractor. It's just that's not the way to run a business. And and I, and I never enjoyed working for folks like that. And I hated my Sunday nights because walking in money that. So I promised myself when I got the opportunity, I was going to be a positive influence on people. You know, I actually um, I was working for a, one of the top three CP. G companies is very early on in my career. And on the sales side, I actually ran their largest division, uh, which was happened to be in the Northeast of America. And uh, so I was meeting with the folks for the first time. And I remember, you know, a bunch of people going, oh, you're going to meet this person and you're going to hate them and they're terrible. And they just tell me everything about bad and how I should fire them. And I'm like, thank you. I appreciate that. You know, and I'm listening. Believe me, I'm listening, but I'm going to meet the person and make my own opinion. 
And so we're going through, and this person, sure enough, and that company, but that company, but that company, and talking everything bad that they could about the company we worked for. I'm like, why are you still here? You hate this company. And as we're talking, and I should tell you how long ago, and she actually was wearing a beeper. And my company didn't give beepers. And a beeper, excuse me, looks, looks at the beeper. And you mind if I make a quick phone call? It's like, no, I'm figuring, oh, family, maybe there's a problem. Picks up the cell phone, makes a phone call to the customer, right? Hangs up the phone. Okay, I'm sorry. Sorry for your driver. I was like, no, that's okay. Customer comes first. Understood. Well, what's up with that beeper? Oh, my, my customer gave me the beeper because they want to make sure they can always reach out to me. I'm like, man, you don't mind that? Well, no, it's my job. I got to make sure the customer's happy. And all the time I said, I love you, and you have a job with me for the rest of your life. And, and they laughed. Like, I don't get it. And I was like, look, I see what the problem is. Corporate is making you miserable. So my job is going to be to stand between corporate and you. You keep doing what you're doing. You keep growing the business. I'll take care of the aggravation. That's now my job. I'm your filter. Fast forward about six months later. I meet uh, their significant other. We're, you know, have a holiday party and they come up and introduce themselves and we're talking. They said, oh, by the way, now the, you understand the spouse isn't around anywhere. And he looks at me and goes, I just want to thank you. I said, oh, well, you're welcome. Please enjoy the party, blah, blah. No, no, that's not what I'm thanking you for. What are you thanking me for? For giving me my, my love back. He said, what are you talking about? And they explained, they said, you know what? That person's been with this company for 15 years. The first 10 years, bled for this company the last couple of years hated it come home just complain complain about everything i always say quit just quit just quit i can't quit i love the company blah blah but would just complain now that person comes home and it's exactly the same person that i fell in love with loves their job loves what they do thinks the world of you and you've changed our lives now you think about that as a leader. Yeah, it's great to be able to give people, you know, promotions and raises and bonuses. But if you could change a person's life, it's pretty powerful. And that was one of those aha moments for me where it said, okay, Glenn, the, the, the role that you have is a little bigger than you. So don't you ever forget it. And that was one of, the, one of the points in my life that I can remember back. And I've tried to follow that point for almost two decades now. That's really profound, Glenn. Thank you for sharing that amazing story. <laughs> so, uh, oh God, um, thank you. And um, I guess in terms of skills, obviously leadership, empathy, being a filter is uh, just to name a few that you've already um, highlighted. But what do you think are the critical skills that have helped you most in your career? Really, probably a skill that I've really, really worked on, and it doesn't always work, but a skill I've really worked on is trying to understand three or four steps ahead, to, to know that the organization is in today. You know, it's funny, I happen to be uh, one of the largest retailers in America. I was at one of the meetings with them, and somebody raised their hand and said, can I ask a question? And the person said, yes, it was the leader of that organization. They said, uh, what do you see for your long-term future? And they laughed. He goes, okay, well, let's, let's get something straight here. I know most of you, when you think of your long-term future, you're thinking, what am I going to do over the next four or five months? Just so you know, long-term for us is, what are we going to do over 15 years? 
So if you want to know what I'm going to do in the next four months, we decided that about four and a half years ago. And, you know, again, being a big company, you have to do that. But the idea behind it, and it stuck with me. And I thought to myself, yeah, you know, if you think about, you know, leaving, you know, food along the journey, so to speak. So, you know, we can go on that journey together and we will never get be hungry. It's all of my team leaders. It's their job to make sure that the food is laid out for their team to understand and, and walk the journey. And that food, of course, is the communication, is the tools, is the know-how, is the analytics, all the different pieces, whatever it is, but it's their role to do that. My role is to step out even farther and make sure. And that's where, you know, and that I think for any successful entrepreneur, any successful CEO, really your job day to day is to make sure that you understand the future. Now, that's not to say, hey, this is what I decided and Rome is burning and I don't care. Because again, I could plan out what's going to happen over the next 24 months. But if you had asked me 12 months before the global pandemic hit, is there going to be a global pandemic? I say, no, I've never had that in business. So you have to make sure that you, you have the ability to swallow your ego and say, yeah, I put this together, but some of the data has changed and we need to change with it. So again, knowing what you don't know, I think is, is important. So I would say that's one of the skills that I probably, I continue to work on knowing what I don't know, understanding what, you know, what's happening in the future and staying a couple of steps ahead of the group so that I can help them. And ultimately making sure that I don't get in the way, you know, we'll sit in a meeting and I'll say, uh, you know, I have this great idea and I'll throw it out. I'd be looking like, are you out of your mind? I'm like, well, no, no, wait, let me, and I walk you through it. And then by doing that and, you know, it starts bouncing around. You have these different creative folks and the idea I had looks nothing like the finished product. I'm okay with that because ultimately it still delivers on the message we're trying to do. Wonderful. And um, in terms of that uh, uncertainty and future, and then obviously the challenges, the struggles, the stresses of being a business leader or an entrepreneur, how do you manage to self-regulate your emotions? And I know you're still working on it, but <laughs> when setbacks come and you power through, what, what keeps you motivated? What, what, what stops you? What keeps you getting back up, if that makes sense? Sure. Well, what keeps me getting back up is the feeling of success. Mm-hmm. That's truly what keeps getting me back up. Because, yeah, we've, we've, all been, we've all been kicked and beaten and knocked down. And we've all heard, you know, the, the parables about, you know, it's not about the punch. It's about getting up, you know, that kind of thing. Well, the punch is hurt, man. That's all I got to say, you know. You know, it's, uh, you know but I would tell you that I, I do some self-meditating to understand how the piece came up. See, my role is to is to diffuse the situation as, as quickly as I can, but then also to ensure that I put the steps in so that situation doesn't happen again. You know, I've met folks that have 30 years of experience. I've also met people that have one year of experience for the last 30 times because they continue to do the same thing. You know, the old saying, you know, doing something over and over again and, you know, expecting a different outcome is the definition. And so I would tell you that uh, being able to to how can I put I'm trying to think of the best way to put it. I would say that for myself, from a stress level, it's understanding where the stress came from, dealing with it as quickly as possible. A lot of times, you know, human nature, we go, oh, that's that's not what I want to work on. I'm going to put that over there and I'm going to work on this fun stuff. And I tell people, if you got a lot of stuff or a few things that you really don't want to work on, 
work on them first. Get them out of the way because that's when you have the most energy. Get them out of the way. So when a stressful situation pops up, let's deal with it. Let's fix it. Let's handle it head on. I look back to my 30 years, 30 plus years, and I've been in some stressful situations. And Dante, to be brutally, brutally honest with you and the audience today, it hasn't affected me at all. Affected me for that moment. And so that's what you have to remember is for that moment, it will affect you. But in the long run, it literally is going to be like a pebble. And you just need to learn from it. And there are times that I've taken and I've learned from it so that I didn't make the same mistake again or that my team was in a better position. You know, if you think about, you know, we just had, a like I said, we had the global pandemic. I will tell you right now, and I, you know, we all hope and pray that we will never, ever have to live through that situation again. But I can promise you, as the red team here, we will be better prepared for it this time. And we will continue to grow at the pace we're doing before during and after the pandemic, because I want to make sure that the team feels comfortable and secure in the knowledge that they are growing both professionally, they're growing personally, and they're growing mentally. And I think that's really, you know, how I try to stop some of the pain, stop some of the highs and lows. I still get them. Don't get me wrong. I'm human. But what I try to do is I try to limit it. You know, I still get really excited for people. And I try not to get as bummed out. <laughs> you know, I try to bring it up just a little bit closer. So it's not this huge piece now. It's more of a, you know, halfway there. And I'll continue that journey. Like, you know, I said earlier, I, I, every day I try to learn something from someone somewhere because I am not the smartest person at the table. I will work and I will work hard and I will work smart and uh, I will do what is necessary for the partnership to work. But I am not the smartest person at that table. Brilliant. And yeah, I can see that just emotional regulation, being proactive when issues arise, don't let it linger because you get anxiety and that that hurts more over time. And Absolutely. Yeah, yeah, thank you. Moving on to career advice. So you've been very successful in your career. And I guess you, you mentioned mentors. So what's the best piece of career advice you've received from, say, a boss or a mentor? that stuck with you? The best career advice I received was from a radio DJ who wasn't even talking to me. <laughs> the best career advice I've ever received, very simply, is this. If you see something that you really want to accomplish, then do everything necessary to be able to go accomplish that. So if you want to be, you know, to, you know, my son, for instance, one of my boys, uh, you know, he's he's in artificial intelligence. I've got another boy that's, you know, wants to be an astronaut. And what I've told him all along, very simply, was if that's what you want, take the steps necessary through your journey. If you want to be a CFO someday, start out. Understand, you're not going to be a CFO on day three. It's not going to happen, but learn. You know, again, mentors, it's tough for you to choose a mentor. Mentors choose you. You can ask a person, uh, and somebody may say yes. Others may say, look, I just, that's not my role, or I don't like it. And you have to respect that. But mentors choose you, and, and without you even knowing, they choose you. You know, <laughs> you figure it out as you go along, like, oh, wow, that's more great advice. Thank you for being here. You know, and it's not like, oh, I'd like you to be my mentor. Okay, shake hands. It's it's not that. And anybody who thinks it is really doesn't have a true mentor. Um, and I would tell you that for a piece of career advice, don't worry about finding what you're passionate about. If, if you know, awesome. If you don't know, 
don't go into an analysis and a panic mode. Oh my God. And you know, what's the meaning? Don't worry about it. Start the journey, start the journey, your ultimate goal. The first goal you want to do, go to bed on Sundays and wake up happy. You're going to work on Monday, whatever work is, whether it's a side hustle, whether it's, you know, you're working for a big company, whether it's a tiny little startup, whether it's, you know, you know, uh, you're, you've got an ice cream store you're working with and you see happy kids all day long running screaming because you're getting ice cream, whatever it is, start that goal. And from there, take your journey, start your journey, continue to learn. Continue to learn because you know what? Like I said, when I was you know 12 years old, I didn't sit there and say, I want to sell chocolate for a living. I want to start the greatest chocolate company in the world. That's not what I said. Believe me, I didn't think I was going to be Willy Wonka. That never crossed my mind. And here I am today, loving what I get to do, loving the people that I get to work with, impressed every day at the way the brand is just resonating with consumers throughout the world. And it's just been a, a, a an amazing journey and it continues to be an amazing journey. So don't worry if you don't have your passion. Find something you, that you want to do to satisfy today's current need. Satisfy today's need because today's need will be different than tomorrow's need. And as you go through your journey, you're going to learn. You're going to learn what you like, what you don't like, what you're passionate about, what you'd like to do more or learn more about. And that's okay. Just don't give up. Don't give up. Don't ever give up. And believe me, it's based on you and only you. You know, if you rely on others, that's a difficult thing. Not that you shouldn't be able to tap somebody in the shoulder. We're not alone. That's not what I'm saying. But really, the most of the responsibility has to be put upon your own shoulders. Take your journey. It's your journey. You could bring along whomever you want, but it's your journey. Take your journey. Take those steps. If you need to go drop to a knee and catch your breath, that's okay. It's a journey. It's a journey. Take the knee, but get up. Brilliant. Thank you. And then what tool or technique has unexpectedly proven to be the most valuable? I don't know so much technique, but tools. You know, it's it's not the tool itself. It's how we've been able to, to use that tool to better, you know, better ourselves. You know, uh, there's all kinds of things out there, especially like for our organization, be able to reach uh, the message, you know, of, you know, you know, the, of what we're trying to say about red chocolate, you know, that we are, you know, all pleasure, no guilt, you know? And so what we've done is we have, uh, we, we've, we've looked at multiple tools to be able to get that message out and get it out clearly, succinctly, early and often. So, you know, there is, it's like anything else, you know, I've, I've got uh, friends and, and people that I know that have been in uh, the carpentry business for a long time. And, and they laugh, they're like, you know, I remember when I used to use a hammer and nails, you know, <laughs> and so not that the hammer and nails don't work anymore, they still work, but there's a dozen different ways to do it better. So don't be stuck in the way that you learn to do it or that you know that worked. You can still continue that, but look to how can we do it bigger, better, faster. And so that's when I look at tools, that's that's my question, you know, whether it be, you know, new software programs we look at from an internal that won't even touch the customer. What does it save us as a company? How does it help us? I go back to that value. If you remember when we first started, the consumer hasn't changed. What's the value to me? How does it help me? What does it satisfy? 
And so that's, you know, that's what I look at. So when it comes to tools and things like that and, and tricks of the trade, you know, there, there are dozens and, you know, don't sit there and again, go into analysis paralysis. You could watch 80,000 videos at some point you got to say, okay, man, I got to try this myself. And so you, you got to go do it yourself. Cause if you're just sitting there watching videos, guess what? You're watching, you're not doing. I understand. And you can't be a spectator in your in the game of your own life and your development mm -hmm. and your growth. Um, no, no, you know you're you're if you're lucky. I don't. You know, I think I read somewhere. You know, the the average age is about an 80, 80 year lifespan. You know, like I said, it's okay to take a knee once in a while. We can't. You know, you're never going to see me jumping off cliffs. That's just not the kind of guy I am. But uh, what you will see is you'll see somebody who who enjoys taking the journey and and enjoys trying those different things and moving forward. You know, again, I work for some great companies, but the fact is, it's some companies. It's not one company. And I never fault somebody for for continuing to grow. And you know what? Sometimes you outgrow the opportunity that you're in, and you move to a, you know, another opportunity. I would tell I tell people this most time. I have one time in my career I made a I made a decision based on money. And it was the worst decision I made for my career. You know, it was it was altering. It wasn't life changing, but it definitely altered and, and allowed me to enjoy some some new benefits. But the the stress, as we talked about earlier, the the difference, and it wasn't, a, oh, I was so comfortable over there, and now I don't know anybody. It wasn't one of those. It was a situation I put myself into that wasn't conducive to what my moral compass went to. And so I knew at that point, mm -mm, this isn't for me. And I never made a decision based on money again. And it wasn't as though I'm some, you know, millionaire, because you always hear millionaires talk about, oh, you know, blah, nah, nah, believe me. I was broke. I was broke. I had a, I had a, I had a child on the way, and I had a lot of responsibility. But yet, I knew, I knew, and I said, I'll never do this again. And I didn't. And I followed. I followed. I believed in myself, and I believed in my instincts. Uh, and and I had to. I had to. And I tell people all the time: if you don't believe in yourself, you don't believe in your instincts. Then you need to sit down and figure out why you don't. What What about it? Don't do. Do you not trust? And that's the conversation you have with yourself. And believe me, I got a lot of conversations with myself. And sometimes I win those arguments. Other times the voice wins the arguments. No, I'm kidding. But that's that's just something that, you know, we work on. And, you know, the even when we when we launched Red, you know, we're going up against multi-billion dollar behemoths and some companies that were 170 years old. But we knew Red was different. We knew what we were going to offer the consumers was different than they had ever seen before. They didn't have to be pounded with all this raw processed sugar. Then they could still indulge. You know, I'll give you an example of where moral compass, business, those kind of things. So they they call, they were they started to call red chocolate healthy chocolate out in the trade. And I made a stop to that. And I said, look, chocolate's not health. Chocolate is indulgent. We like to call ourselves smart indulgence because the fact is we want you to enjoy red chocolate, but we want you to do it smart. We want you to indulge. There you go. Our dark <laughs> chocolate, one of our most popular. And believe me, as a chocolate company, I've always got chocolate floating around here somewhere. Believe me, there's always chocolate on my table. But, you know, and that's why, you know, when we sat down and we said, yes, okay, 
we're going to be non-GMO. We're going to be kosher. We're going to be gluten-free. You know, we're going to, we're not going to use cheap palm oils. We're going to use the best, of the best when we design this and we craft it. And we knew we had that message. And then again, talking about the tools, how do we deliver on that message? How do we let people know that we are non-GMO? How do we let them know we're kosher? How do, do people care? Do they care that we're keto friendly? Do they care that we're Weight Watchers friendly? These are the things that we decided, okay, they're important to us. Let's go talk to the consumers. And the consumers resoundingly said, yes, yes, those are important to us. We want to indulge. We don't want to indulge, you know, with all the raw sugars, especially with, you know, what raw sugar does to a person today. And, you know, we found that uh, it's funny, you know, 13% of the folks that uh, eat our products are over the age of 53. You know, and if you think about it, you know, it's it's incredible. And the fact is, everybody knows the benefits of, you know, dark chocolate. And now you have no sugar added. So, you know, if you're looking for whether it be anything from, uh, you know, uh, diabetes to any kind of high blood pressure, the last thing you want is sugar, needless to say. So we've been able to really capture that audience's heart. And then all the rest of the folks out there who just love a great piece of European chocolate. So. Luckily, there's a lot of us. I'm not the only chocolate. <laughs> well, exactly. But you've got another one in this uh, in this call because I, I'm I'm I have a sweet tooth. My family have sweet tooth, and um, it's nice to be able to do it relatively guilt free. I mean, when I say relatively, it's as you say, high quality ingredients and no lows after the sugar high. Yeah. Uh, yeah, and that's, you know, that's important. You know, it's funny. We uh, get a lot of, uh, you know, uh, truck drivers that come in, of course, to whether they bring product in or delivering product. And they always ask for some because they love it because they're like, you know what? It's like the only chocolate I can eat because I'm sitting down. So it's not like I'm going to load up on a bunch of calories. And it's the only chocolate I can eat. And, and I don't get crashed from it. So I can enjoy my chocolate for a change. And it's funny. So we have a, a box of chocolate out by, you know, on the loading dock where people just come in and grab themselves a bar. We've got, uh, you know, neighbors across the street and all they'll just come by. And it's it's great because it's part of, you know, part of the Red family. And we, we invite everybody. We invite everybody. Come in and be part of the Red family. And it's a brilliant brand. Thank you. If you do have time, I'd love to talk to you about branding at some point. Just a, Absolutely. A, yeah, brilliant. Absolutely. Love to. Love to. And I'll tell you, you know, I have a great story on the branding side. Uh, I have a mentor who uh, who taught me a really good trick, and we'll save that for the audience next time on branding. But uh, it saved me millions millions and i've used that trick <laughs> probably a dozen times since he taught me taught me it to me and he was just a a brilliant marketer from kellogg brilliant marketer loved working with him thank you Glenn. and um, finally obviously you have an amazing product you have a great company a great culture but within that do you have a project currently you're working on right now that you'd like to share with the listeners we actually do we've been in testing to come up with a vegan chocolate and we're actually we're, we're in this the final steps of it now people say well glenn i've tasted vegan chocolate it's terrible i'd rather eat the box it came in which is true <laughs> uh and it usually is so our our vegan chocolate is actually an oat-based and we triple screen it so and before i step in that so we actually we launched this product this is our blonde that we launched. We launched in April of this year. It's the only one of its kind in America. It's actually uh, caramelized white chocolate. And the reason I bring it up is because I'm going through the same discussions. It's so funny to talk about learning. When we when we were sitting down talking with our partners about this, they went, wait a minute, 
caramelized white chocolate, you're no sugar added. I'm like, yeah, but the caramel we use doesn't have sugar. What are you talking about? Well, we had designed a process where we use milk from Holstein cows. It's a, we have a global patent on it. And what we do is we take the natural sugars and we pour it into a white cocoa base. So you've got the caramel flavor from the milk from Holstein cows along with our, with our whey. And that's how we come up with a caramelized and everybody tries it. We were actually voted one of the most innovative products uh, within sweets and snacks which is one of our big industry shows, which was a proud moment for us because you're going up against the guys that are, again, $12, $14 billion companies that got 700 people sitting there trying to figure out the next widget. And we got uh, a couple of you know master chocolatiers that have been doing it for a couple of generations that are incredible. But to go on, so when we when we, we started with this, with the uh, vegan chocolate, one of the biggest complaints is, man, you know what? I, uh, I don't like vegan. It's just, it's gritty. It tastes like almost like sandpaper. And so I tasked the group with, okay, we know what our issue is. If we can't come out with something better, we're not launching it. And I'm going to tell you, we're probably on our 25th, 27th iteration of our vegan chocolate. They've got it perfected now. It's absolutely incredible. I keep looking over to my side because I've got a lineup of it over here that uh, I'd love to show you, but I can't because it hasn't launched yet. But uh, when it does in a couple months, I'll make sure you're one of the first to know about it. But this vegan chocolate, again, with uh, with the triple screening process, if I didn't tell you it was a vegan chocolate, you'd have no idea. You'd have no idea. And it's a beautiful milk chocolate. I can tell you that one of them has uh, an almond and an orange base in it. And it is, it's like, the best way I can explain European chocolate, it's like red wine. So we've all had a little bit of red wine and when you take it, you taste the different notes in it, you know, whether it come from the barrel or from the different grapes, all the different pieces. And I explain that to people all the time. Look, with European chocolate, our hazelnut and macadamia milk chocolate, it's not a nut cluster. That's not the idea of European chocolate. It's take a gorgeous coca base and then to put the hints of peanut, of a hazelnut, of a macadamia, of orange. The idea is that you taste the coca, and then you get those beautiful little notes, just like a beautiful red wine. So you know, as I tell people, so it's it's been thrilling to sit there and watch people try red for the first time. And they're like, wow, really? And they're always doing one of these. Mm-hmm. Damage calories? No, seriously. Are you lying? Uh, it, it's great. It's awesome because, you know, I, I, I get to change people's lives. That's That's a great feeling. Amazing. And yeah, it's 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 about value, real value. You're you're not just you're increasing people's satisfaction, but you're extending their lifespan. I think yeah. that's, that's the best way to yeah, that's uh, exactly uh, right. You know, it's all about health and wellness. Again, we're chocolate. Don't just eat us 24-7, yeah. 365, not good. But if you're gonna indulge in we all should indulge once in a while in our lives because we yeah. deserve it. No matter what we're going through, we deserve it. High or low, we deserve a little indulgence. Yeah. We'll just indulge a little smarter. Exactly. Smart, uh, relatively guilt-free happiness. <laughs> That's right. That's right. And it's been a pleasure, Glenn, to uh, have you on this podcast. Thank you so much for being a guest. I'm sure our listeners will find a lot of value from all your insights. But just to wrap up, where can our listeners find and connect with you? So there are multiple ways to connect with me. Of course, you'll always find me on LinkedIn, Glenn Gardone. You can look it up. I accept all requests. You know, again, if I can help in any way, I'm more than happy to help. Uh, I get requests from all over the world. And again, if I can't help, I'll tell you straight out. I may know somebody that could help you. 
and just you know that's just part of world and the connection we live in uh i tell everybody go to red hyphen chocolate.com uh that is our website you can go on there you'll meet myself my team you'll hear a little story you can connect with us through there uh and you'll find us like i said in 26 countries around the world and in the u.s we're in about 15,000 store doors across America. And, you know, you'll find us everywhere. And, you know, we're always available, always available. My team is here to help wherever we can. We'd love for you to become part of the Red Family. And again, I thank you for allowing me to appear with you. And hopefully I've been able to share a little bit of knowledge and not bore too many people. And, you know, we can help out as many of those we can, because ultimately that's what we try to do. So enjoy some red chocolate. Hopefully you've enjoyed listening to uh, our conversation here and I hope I've been able to be a benefit. You have indeed. The time's flown by, so you haven't bored me at all. Absolutely, Glenn. And I'm going to wrap up by enjoying some more of your red chocolate with my wife, who also loves the of the brand. I'm glad it arrived today so we could actually comment on it. <laughs> awesome. You, awesome. No, thank you. I appreciate it. Have a wonderful day now. You too. Thank you. This podcast shares experiences and insights gained from business, IT, and digital finance. Hosted by two leaders who have made the leap themselves, this show is dedicated to helping listeners think differently about their career aspirations.